This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half-ape with the strength of 20 demons. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Video Junkyard Podcast. I'm Eric Branson. with me as always, my good friend and co-host, Joe Peterson. How's it going tonight, Joe? It's going pretty good. It's going pretty good. I'm uh, not freezing fucking cold for once, so that's nice. That's nice, isn't it? It is. It's cold, <laughs> but not that cold. And I have to do the 40-year-old old man weather update, but yeah. It's, yeah. Um, we hit we hit 65, or 62 probably. My thermometer said 65, but it's in the sun, so... But I'll, I'll I'll admit something that's really disgusting, and that's that um, now that the snow is starting to melt, I'm seeing the state of my backyard. Oh yeah, we're two that small happens, two small dogs have been going out there all winter. Ah, yeah, that. Uh-huh. And so between meltwater <laughs> and that, and it's it's like oh god, I, when it dries out, I don't even know where to begin. It'll be very fertile soil. It's it's gonna burn it all. <laughs> just, gonna, <laughs> just treat it with fire. This is yeah. this is how I end up without a yard but a rock garden, which I know would actually be more environmentally friendly, with the exception of helping the bees. So yes. I don't know. Yeah. You know, it's it's one or the other. But uh, but yeah, looking forward to it getting warm. And I, I I even noticed too, like this is that time of year where you know that the worst of winter is probably behind you. Yes, but it's still a ways off from like the super warm, but it's just enough to start getting motivated. Right, like, I I'm start starting to make to, plans, like all the stuff I'm gonna do, like yeah, like I'm gonna get out and start won't. jogging again <laughs> in the next <laughs> month. I'll start doing yeah. that again. But yeah, I need to get back outside, and I we have a a treadmill and an elliptical and an exercise bike in in the, our basement, but um, I'm wanting to get back out and start actually like biking and running outside again, but. I don't. I need to buy. I've got like a cheap bike I bought on Craigslist years ago, but um, I don't know. I keep thinking about biking, and I know I probably should because as I get older, it's not going to be better to run. So yeah, I should running's harder on you. Bike. Um, I enjoy biking. I, I did it a lot when we lived in the city. In fact, I commuted on a bike for I don't know, like almost a couple years, um, back and forth to work, and it, I enjoy riding i haven't ridden as much since we moved out to the burbs but i do try to get on and and go every once in a while but i just i like the upper body workout and you know you don't get that as much on a bike so right yeah yeah so i i don't know i I do like the treadmill i've just been like walking more on treadmills i'll like i'll grab my kindle and i'll either read stories for the vanishing point your magazine (laughs) um or i'll watch a movie for the podcast while i'm walking on the treadmill and it's nice because then like you pass an hour and a half you're like oh shit i've gone x many miles um and didn't really feel like it because you were watching or reading something but Mm -hmm. you know so but it's hard to do that when you're literally like walking outside so i'm trying to do balance of both but that's my that is i i do miss that when i go outside i guess i listen to like audiobooks and stuff too when i'm outside running but like i miss out on my that's like my TV time because if I'm gonna watch anything that like my wife's not interested in watching, that's kind of like the only time I have to watch something. So, <laughs> well, watch I can a say lot like of schlocky horror movies and uh, you know TV series. I just watched an anime series that she wasn't gonna sit through. So, so well, like for especially for movies for the podcast, if it's something that, that my wife really wants to watch, she'll watch it with me. But otherwise, I watch a lot of these at my office. Um, yeah. <laughs> again, like they're on yeah. the Kindle or on my laptop, and I'm on my work computer, and they're just like playing in the background, and I'm watching them, or I'm at the gym. Um, the, the the thing I have to be careful of, though, is I, I want to make sure, like, if the movie's really bad and it puts me in a foul mood, that I'm not like grading papers at the time because I'll go really hard <laughs> on the grading. Um, I'll like take it out on them, and I don't want to do that, so yeah. I make a point to 
to, to balance it out. Like this one today, I just watched today in my office. Yeah. So, and uh, it was it was an experience. Today's movie is a a holiday tie-in, so we should first of all say, you know, oh. April Fools to everyone who tuned in. But uh, the trick this year is we really are going to cover this movie. Um, <laughs> so yeah, our uh, last couple of years, April, April Fool's, Fool's Day, Day have been. Um, we attempted at a joke that I don't think anybody got. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one of them was pretty uh, a pretty avant-garde joke, and it was a pretty inside joke, actually, is what it was. So, yeah. uh, we're still waiting for the person who should get it to get it. Uh, haven't heard anything. It's been like Maybe two years. <laughs> <laughs> it's already been but, two years. Yeah. Anyway, that's a that's okay. It was a good effort. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, so if you haven't guessed already, uh, the movie we covered to celebrate April Fool's Day this year was the 1986 movie, April Fool's Day. Paramount Pictures cordially invites you for a weekend getaway at the party to end all parties. This is the craziest party that could ever be. <laughs> Turn on lights, cause I don't want to see. <laughs> April Fool's. Welcome to my home. And lifestyles of the rich and undeserving. Wrong. Join eight privileged guests who are just dying to have fun. Wow, what is this? The bridal suite? You like it? The ladies. I find it useful. The gentleman. We, we, we did on the first date. The young. Well, basically, I possess a, an essential lack of seriousness. And the restless. You are such a jerk. Everyone is having such a good time. It's scary. Something wrong? You're dead. April Fool's Day. Get ready to party till you drop. April Fool's Day, directed by Fred Walton. Uh, Written by Danilo Bach, uh, produced by a familiar name, and especially in the 80s horror, Frank Mancuso Jr., who also produced some of the Friday the 13th films. Um, Starring Deborah Foreman, Jay Baker, Deborah Goodrich, uh, Amy Steele, Thomas F. Wilson, who you'll remember as Biff in Back to the Future. Um, Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it came out in 1986. Get you a short synopsis on this one. It is uh, when a group of college students decide to spend spring break at a secluded island estate of their wealthy classmate, Muffy St. John. What starts off as a fun, hedonistic weekend turns into something more sinister. Muffy is very fond of practical jokes and sets up numerous gags throughout her mansion. But when friends begin going missing and turn up dead, they realize that they're trapped on an isolated isle with a mysterious and brutal killer. Or, you know, not so brutal, kind of, but... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, Fred Walton. Like, so he um, also made when a stranger, the original, when a stranger calls, when a stranger calls yeah. back. I saw what you did, and the TV movie Stepford Husbands. Oh right, sequel to Stepford Wives. Yeah, the made-for-TV sequel to Stepford. <laughs> yeah, and so like he seems to have a, a history of kind of cashing in on whatever's already popular Mm. because this one was definitely cashing in on the whole holiday slasher film thing it was but um yeah much like so is you know my my bloody valentine that we covered last week was very much in the same vein of cashing in on that but i feel like they did it in very different ways this one tried to you know use the the trope of being a holiday slasher film to make not that kind of a movie where my bloody valentine leaned into being you know that kind of movie they literally made a you know they they utilized to the best of their ability all of the the tropes and stereotypes of a holiday slasher this one used that to get people's butts in the seats but then tried to tried to make a very different kind of movie and i think that's its its first and biggest mistake and it just keeps getting 
worse from there, but um, I think it actually might have worked better had they leaned into some of those things instead of trying to be... I, I think they saw themselves as being a little more high concept, and it just doesn't really pan out in any way, so... Well, the first thing that struck me about... Well, I should I ask, like, what's, what's your history with this one? Uh, I actually saw this one when I worked at the Big City Video in Pecatonica, Illinois, in high school. So, um, just pulled it off the shelf. I remember this video box art, which they still have the, you know, the same, the poster on the Wikipedia page if you want to see that. But the uh, kind of table full of, you know, what looks like partying teenagers and... Uh, the one uh, girl in the foreground uh, toasting has a noose, a braid tied, a noose tied into her braid, and a knife hiding behind her back. So very cool. Like we talk about the box art of these right. movies all the time. Very um, memorable um, box art. So had seen it probably sitting in that same video store all throughout growing up, and never seen the movie when I was working there. And just grabbed it one day and put it on, and I I found it to be very memorable. Not necessarily because of the quality of the film, but because of some of the decisions they made and the big twist ending. So um, right off the bat, I would say if you're interested at all in seeing April Fool's Day or uh, for celebrating, you know, April 1st this year, go and watch the movie before. Because I don't think there's any really way we could talk about the end of this movie without totally spoiling it. It's, it's one that does have a twist ending. We'll talk about whether it works 100% or not, but it, it certainly... Uh, will be spoiled for you if you don't haven't seen the movie before. <laughs> right. Um, I, you know, this was my first time watching this one, mm-hmm. but I remember the the box art. So, like, when you suggested, oh, we should do the movie April Fool's Day right away, I'm like, oh, I know that. I know that art. It's I remember yeah. the, the noose hair and the knife and the whole thing, but I never saw it. And, um, yeah, so it, I, I guess right off the bat, some of the things that I... Uh, uh, recognized right away as some of the cast members mm-hmm. um which but the, the opening of this movie's odd um <laughs> yeah it's like the the weird jack-of-the-box thing was just fucking strange <laughs> um i i still to the, i've seen it a couple times now and i'm still not exactly sure how that i mean i know how it ties in but why it's a, it's as important as it's made in the movie but no. yeah it's weird um, yeah. But then, like, once once you get over that weird, there's this weird little scene of, is it Deborah Foreman? Um, yeah, she plays yeah. Muffy. Muffy, Muffy and yeah. Buffy. Yeah. So Deborah Foreman in, like, a basement, and she's going through stuff, and she finds this jack-in-the-box, and she starts turning it, and she's remembering as a little girl when she got it, and it was, like, a big party, and she opens it. And when it finally kicks open, it's, like, a little monster puppet thing rather than, like, yeah, a, it's like- a Punch and Judy-looking thing. Which like a gag joke, you know, a joke jack-in-the-box is meant to scare somebody. Right, and it's just kind of creepy weird, because it's such an odd thing. Mm-hmm. And then it cuts to a bunch of these college students waiting on a, a, a pier, getting ready to go on a ferry, and the first one you see is fucking Biff Tannen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or Thomas F. Wilson, who... It's great to see him in something other than Back to the Future, you know, and yeah, you know, Freaks and Geeks, but <laughs> it it yeah the, the the cast like introducing the cast honestly I think the best part of this movie is right there on the dock. Yeah, when they start to when they all first are introduced to one another, right? Because you've got you've got Biff, right, and then obviously Deborah Foreman, which we mentioned, who we actually saw her in Real Genius, which we reviewed about a year or so ago. Um, yeah. You've got Griffin, o- Griffin O'Neill, the other O'Neill, um, yeah. who's not right. Tatum O'Neill or Ryan O'Neill. Um, Amy Steele from Friday the 13th Part 2. Yep. yep. And uh, Kenneth Olant from Summer School and Leprechaun. Deborah Goodrich, too, for who's in uh, just one of the guys, Remote Control. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of like 80s faces. You may not know them by name, but if you watch this movie, you'll recognize almost the entire cast from other 80s movies. But... But there is yeah. a, a scene in this one with, um, okay, so I'm trying to remember, is it Chaz? Which is the, is which is the, the Chaz the, the guy with the video camera? Is I think a, so. Yeah, I think you're right. Okay. Yeah. He has one of the best pickup lines in the first 10 minutes of this movie that I've ever seen. <laughs> I think, yeah. It's so horrible. It's hilarious. And I think it's Nan that he's talking to. 
I believe so. Nan's the the nerdier girl. Yeah. He uh, walks up yeah. to her. She's reading a book. He walks up to her and just like grossly coughs and go. It's like, ah, what you reading? <laughs> it's like the smoothest, horrible pickup line ever. I just, yeah. I, I started cracking up at that. Um, <laughs> There's a lot of really awkward, like, I mean, I know what they're going for. I mean, these, these, the slasher genre, like we talked about a lot last week, it has a, a lot of conventions, and one of them is, you know, promiscuous teens, and uh, they try to get some comedy out of it, and it almost. Almost all of it falls flat, but there's a couple of moments that... And some of it's unintentionally funny, I think, when they're trying to be serious, but... Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, like... Yeah, so, Thomas so, F... I was going to say Arch Cummings, who's Thomas F. Wilson's character, is just, you know... Yeah, I don't know. He's Essentially, he's Biff. <laughs> co-ed version of Biff, but... Yeah, so. mildly tamed down. Um, yeah, one of the things, so like, okay, so they're all on this pier and they're getting ready to go to this island to their friend Muffy, who's a. Yeah. I love, by the way, that the the Wikipedia page makes a point to mention that she's a Vassar student. Ah, yeah. Which I don't know why that was necessary because it has <laughs> absolutely nothing to do with the story. But thanks, Wikipedia. Nothing at all. <laughs> she's a Vassar student. Um, and so she brings them all to her like family house on this island and plays a bunch of pranks on everybody and yeah it's like an april fool's day getaway and uh, she's like super rich uh, they own their own island obviously so mm-hmm. um yeah brings them all out there to party and you know plays tricks on on people and some of the tricks even even before we get to you know people ending up dead in the movie um some of the tricks seem to be a little cruel <laughs> spirited, but <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, um, you've got like the basic ones, whoopee cushions, whoopee and... cushions, the exploding cigar, you know, faucets that squirt people in the face. Um, right. Yeah. Um, lots of, lots of scare gags, things that fall over things that, yeah. Yeah. It, 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 but there's also one of the most bizarre sex scenes I think I've ever seen in a movie, <laughs> and yeah, and right. we've and and we've reviewed um, Society, or at least talked. Did we review Society? Or did we just all watch it? We haven't reviewed Society. No, it's we actually on the list it. for one of my lists somewhere. Yeah. But uh, I've seen the movie um, Society, and this has one of the weirdest sex scenes I think I've ever seen. Yeah, you talking the the Chaz and Nikki? Scene? Yeah, yeah. Where like her leg is in some <laughs> weird just, position. It like yeah. none of this makes any fucking sense. Well, they hint um, at when 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 Muffy's kind of like, well, we're, we're led to believe that Muffy's played these tricks on on them. Um, the more kind of cruel things, like she puts the um, you know car accident stuff in uh, Harvey's room, who obviously has some history. I don't know if we ever get the story there, but has some history with. Uh, I, I get the impression he he caused a car accident of some sort. And, and killed some people. Um, he, she Nan has had an abortion at some point in history, and she uh, the the what, the trick that or something that is play, placed in her room is t- uh, based around that. Um, and we're we're led to believe that Nikki gets a lot of this S and M gear and stuff in there. So we are led to believe a little bit by that that Nikki's got some fetishes, but. That doesn't exactly explain that scene. <laughs> like, no. Yeah, it's it's really strange. And, like, then some of the other pranks are just kind of weird. Like, yeah. at one point... Um, oh, God, I'm trying to remember the cast members' names. The names aren't very memorable. And to be honest, I, I didn't feel that a lot of the performances were memorable. Like, anybody right. could have played these characters. But the character of Arch finds a bunch of heroin paraphernalia in like a cupboard or a wardrobe oh right yeah and it's like that's supposed to be a a prank and it's like how why it's just and weird. i didn't get if that was because some of the you know we were, what we were just talking about some of the pranks are very much rooted in the people's personal history yeah um i wasn't sure if that was trying to say like arch has a history with with heroin he sure didn't seem like somebody they were trying to convince you was a heroin recovered heroin addict or something right um 
so yeah, I'm not sure I really got that one. I thought it was just like a weird thing, I guess. I don't know, but yeah, I didn't I didn't pick that up like that it was anything personal. It was just strange. Yeah. Um, it, it, yeah. So this one, I don't know. I I didn't feel like pacing wise, it went. It wasn't paced well. What do you? Yeah, think? it's it's rather slow. Honestly, it took a long time to even get everybody into place onto this island. And the thing is, is there's nothing interesting going on in the time that they're putting the pieces together. So by the time we get everybody in this island, and they're you know they they come to believe that there's a killer stalking them, and uh, we're well past the halfway point of this movie, and that hurts this movie more than almost anything uh well there's a bunch of things wrong with this movie but that's a big one is it's like it just doesn't get into it fast enough there's there's the one accident on the dock where the um the ferry worker is caught between the boat right up here and gets his face all messed up um that's like your one scene of anything happening really prior to halfway through the film mm-hmm and the rest of it is just a bunch of like you know rich people, rich rich teenagers or rich college kids um, drinking and making you know lots of forced attempts at comedy that don't really work. And yeah, so it's there's a little bit of foreshadowing here and there, but even that there's not like a like a lot of our slasher films we get the big backstory like we talked about that last year last week with um, Harry Warden. And, you know, you got you got kind of this ominous backstory hanging over the whole film. This really doesn't have that. You had that awkward scene with the, the jack-in-the-box. And then you kind of flash forward not knowing much about Muffy, except that she's this kind of mysterious rich friend of all these people. Uh, I think this movie sees itself as something a little more... Um, a little more upper shelf than it really is. Like, I think it's trying to be Agatha Christie more than it's trying to be slasher film, and it fails at being both because it can't decide yeah. exactly what it wants to pull off. So the setup for this essentially is the the novel uh, Ten Lindelinians, or, or, and then I guess it's and then there were none. Mm-hmm. Um, but Agatha Christie novel, it's essentially exactly the same thing. It's an island party. People are kind of being hunted down one by one. There's a kind of mysterious uh, host who everybody, although unfamiliar with each other, uh, they're all from, they're all friends of the host. And so essentially it's an Agatha Christie novel uh, in the guise of a slasher movie. And, and nothing happens for the first 40 minutes, which hurts any movie. It's just like, you know. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I thought, like, I guess your question that you asked me was about the pacing. So yes, I totally agree. The pacing is very slow. It's like molasses slow for the first part of it. Once it picks up, it gets better. Um, it's still not, you know, the most interesting of slasher films because, and and the ending won't allow it to be, but it's not extremely graphic. It's, um, and, and, you know, some of the special effects and such can make movies more interesting. I think we saw that again in, in My Bloody Valentine. Um, this one has very little in place of even good, like, murder scenes in it because if yeah. you know, if it had good murder scenes, the ending of the film where every, you know, would mm-hmm. not work at all. So, yeah, so. it, it um, and that's a thing I think that really hurts it and it that sounds really messed up saying. Um, yeah. But it this movie is sold as a slasher. Yes. And you you get a lot of vague stuff off camera. Um like you said, you get a lot of jokes that don't land. This isn't just your typical like slasher movie cannon fodder cast of you know, college kids or twenty somethings or late teens or whatever. Um mm-hmm. everybody's pretty forgettable. And it's not like yeah. you can really link people to particular, like, kills like you can at a Friday the 13th movie or Nightmare on Elm Street movie or Halloween or Chainsaw or whatever. Uh, it's right. just, it's everything about this is incredibly bland um, as far as the casting goes, as far as the script, and then obviously the kills. And I, I know that sounds morbid and weird, but it's like, ah, you're, you're watching a slasher movie, so or you, so you think. Um, their expectations, right? Yeah. So it'd be like watching a western that takes place in the like rainforest. It's not the same, you know. <laughs> um, 
there's no, there's not a goddamn horse in this. Um, so I, I guess I don't know. Um, should should we just kind of talk about the ending? Because it's hard to discuss this movie without really going into the ending. Yeah, I mean, like, like we could let the cat out of the bag. I, we already warned people to yeah <laughs> go, go go watch it and come back. So yeah, so the ending of this film, um, the it's it's very on theme. And that is the entirety of what is going on in this island, the murders, the mystery, the, um, you know, the, 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 they, they come to find out, like, not only is everyone being hunted down, Muffy starts acting really strange. They come to find out that she had a twin sister that is, uh, had been institutionalized at one point. And then they're like, oh my gosh, it's not really Muffy. It's her twin sister, Buffy, that is, you know, here and she's hunting us down and killing us. And uh, so there's a whole kind of backstory that starts to develop. But then we find out, up oh, actually, it's all just a big April Fool's joke being played on them by Muffy, who we get, you know, from the beginning is very into playing practical jokes on people. Not only is it a practical joke played on all of them, it's actually a trial run for a murder mystery themed bed and breakfast that she's trying to put together that she already has some, you know, staff and, and not staff, but like people that are kind of helping her build the, the idea of the business. So she's got like a special effects guy and she's got, you know, um, an older guy that plays the sheriff in the situation. So essentially she punks all of her friends and nobody's dead. Nobody's hurt. The whole thing is all just a big joke. I think it's a super clever and ambitious move on the, on, on the part of the filmmakers to do this. Um, the problem is they forgot to make a first half of the movie like and make anything interesting. Like if, if this would have played, you know, differently and you honestly, if it wasn't marketed as a slasher film, if you were played this as a murder mystery of some sort, leaned into the like Agatha Christie type thing more than the slasher, um, this could have been an interesting interesting movie and it could have been an interesting reveal i think i think they kind of pull off the surprise element of it um but but is it like ultimately it doesn't make it any more interesting and actually i think sticking hard to that ending actually detracts from the rest of the movie working as a slasher or even an an, effective horror film because they can't really go all the way with any of it right and i i feel like God, the the ending on this one, it it was at the same vein as it all being a dream. A little bit, yeah. Or you know, like oh, and the the alien came to her in the form of her father. You know, it's <laughs> like I'm trying to think of all the other really disappointing twist endings. You know, <laughs> uh, there was a killer, and his name was Tyler Durden. Um, you know, it, it, it Kaiser Sose. It, it's just it. This was the wrong movie to do that twist ending on. Yeah. The comedy would have needed to be better. And you would have needed to still have... I mean, maybe it, maybe part of it's just a victim of its time. Because they do kind of... She does kind of do the whole like, Hey, and see, I got a guy here who does really good special effects. Yeah. And but wait, they don't even it? really have many special effects. The one special effect we get is the rare 1980s. Uh, you don't see it a whole lot. Well, you don't see it a whole lot in movies at all. But we have a castration scene. Um, not scene. It's it's aftermath of, but uh-huh. just just covered in blood kind of thing. But I yeah. guess the bloodiest scene in the movie, and it's only a couple seconds of. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's it's. I think if you're gonna make a slasher film be a gotcha, there's other ways you got to do it right. um, for it to be satisfying, and this one definitely wasn't. Um, and, and again, it's just because it, it's a very specific type of subgenre. There are expectations for it. Um, again, th- th- this this is no different than oh, and it was all a dream. Yeah, and that's except worse because you could have done the whole like it's a dream thing and had really graphic kill scenes, which the, the, the splatter <laughs> is why people like mo- usually, usually, yeah, why people what like I, slashers. I think the mistake is marketing was making this a slasher movie. It was marketing it like it was one, and it, I'm not sure how much the studio had to do with that and how much, um, you know, the filmmakers Frank Mancuso being. It, it, um, 
the producer of the film certainly links it to the slasher genre because of his you know involvement in the Friday the 13th series and mm-hmm. um, uh, another horror movies and then the the director as well from you know directed some other kind of horror movies not necessarily slashers but um, they set a certain expectations and I don't know the studio but I know the filmmakers were disappointed with the way it was uh, they were trying to do something a little different and it was sold you know in the marketplace as a slasher movie it's like well of course it was because you themed it after a holiday it's 1986 it's like this is like the biggest type of you know teenage movie out there right now are these slasher movies coming out you know of course they're going to sell it that way Um, they shouldn't have done any of that stuff they should have you know gone the other way with it and maybe maybe then we could have had we could have gotten a little more satisfying of a movie and maybe this ending would have worked a little better um the ending itself works fine it's genuinely surprising but not in a way that makes you feel good it's kind of like oh god now i sat through all of that for nothing (laughs) um so it's uh it's also a major suspension of disbelief that all of these people are cool with it like you put people through all of that and they're gonna be like oh haha you got me (laughs) like um however this is coming from the guy that from a a person who used to stage elaborate um uh scare pranks on groups of people at at one of our friends i think you might have been in on some of these i was uh, i was aware of them yeah yeah (laughs) so removing spark uh, plugs for people's cars while they're out in the woods (laughs) yeah we were we got got pretty into it but yeah uh we had a friend's house growing up where we would um invite people out that were kind of like acquaintances but weren't like you know inner circle friends and uh stage kind of an elaborate ghosts and or monsters in the woods it depends what what night it was kind of scare thing sounds sillier than it was man did we scare the crap out of some people so anyway so yeah but you know then cell phones kind of ruined it yeah, sure did. When people started calling out, it was like, okay, we can't do this anymore. Because people are going to call the police eventually, and that's not going to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless you're in a place where you know like there's not going to be reception, it's kind of hard to do that. And then it's hard to get people out there, because that's the first question. Do I have cell reception? You know, like, yeah. I'm not going anywhere where I can't make a call, which is totally a wise move. Um, yes. <laughs> but, yeah, I remember some of those, and it really kind of wishing i could have uh, been there for some of them i know there were some that i was i don't even think i was even tangentially involved i heard about them a lot i thought that was hilarious oh, really? that you yeah doing it was those. later high school so you're probably in college i think already, i was in college but... i was coming back and hearing about these i'm like well that sounds more fun than what i've been doing um <laughs> but got pretty elaborate there yeah it, they did yeah so. it was impressive it was impressive <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, I, 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 I mean, I played pranks on people in college and grad school, but nothing to like anything like this. Um, yeah, yeah. And so I don't know. I mean, especially, you know, we, we talked about, you know, my bloody Valentine last week. And so like the, the kind of this resurgence of the, uh, or not resurgence, but the slasher holiday films, halloween friday the 13th and then these were all kind of knockoffs and some better than others like my bloody valentine not terrible um this one though just it's like they tried doing too much with it and i i give them respect for trying to do something different but it's just not really it didn't work i didn't feel like it it was honestly I, i got to the end of this one and really felt like it was like a waste of time like it was kind of boring honestly yeah i mean that's the thing is the movie was so slow and kind of dull it didn't have a whole lot going on and then then for it to go go and pull that ending on you is a little bit like oh come on yeah it was a bad a bad slasher movie but it's uh and it's billed as a black comedy and i don't even see that because it falls so flat with 99 percent of the gags there's that, nothing really funny. There's some awkward lines that are like funny because they're not yeah. really funny. But but that's yeah. about it. So it can't even it can't even rely on on the okay. So yeah, we're trying to do a send up of slasher movies because it's like no, you're not really sending anything up. It's it, it's hard to tell you you, you you can know better thematically, structurally, technically that they're trying to emulate a slasher movie but they're trying to to be funny with it and it 
doesn't but the problem is it doesn't work so mm-hmm. it leaves an audience thinking is this intentionally funny or not and anytime when you're making a movie that's supposed to have one impact and you in the audience can't tell that's a bad sign yeah you know it's yeah. like especially if it's is this intentionally funny or not that's usually a bad question <laughs> yeah if you can't tell what it's supposed to be doing yeah it's uh yeah it's i think it's trying too hard to be two different things and it can't and i don't know like i said i don't know how much of that's the filmmakers and i don't know how i know i know the director had had mentioned i think it was fred walton that he was a bit disappointed with the way that they you said the way they they sold the film that it wasn't supposed to be a slasher movie and it's like well then why'd you you know why is it named that way why does it use the conventions of you know dr- drunk horny teens essentially like you, you could have done something differently you could have leaned like i think i said this earlier but you could have leaned into that agatha christie type mi- murder mystery thing um and really done something different with this you know don't you don't really need the holiday theme <laughs> like it doesn't matter right. like if you the, the ending wouldn't have been affected by it just being somebody that's into practical jokes rather than it being april fool's day like i don't know so i think it's again it's just a little bit and it it has a personality crisis from the get-go it doesn't really know it wants it wants that slasher movie money but then it wants to be something a little more highbrow than that which you know the two things aren't going to go together it doesn't work that way yeah yeah it's like they have to be successful on one of these fronts and they're really not yeah so um yeah yeah, the and the only really like like performance wise in this we were talking about like i I feel like deborah foreman's pretty good in this i think the rest of the cast is 100 percent forgettable (laughs) like i don't think anybody besides me recognizing that thomas you know thomas wilson is biff other than that, I don't think that's the only comment I have on his performance. Like, um, yeah, it's uh, what's his name? The, the the Texas guy, Harvey. He's fairly memorable for being such an out of place character. Um, right. And he just doesn't even seem like he belongs. Like, why is anybody? Why is he here? Why is she friends with him? They don't really go into it, but he they obviously know each other well enough that he's considering asking buffy or muffy sorry to marry him um again really undercooked plot elements there that they only barely touch on so they could have you know actually like talked about some of that stuff at least would have given something to do for the first 40 minutes of runtime other than just like bad attempts at you know sex jokes or whatever but yeah, there's there's a lot of awkward, weird, attempted sex scenes in this that, mm-hmm. you know, again, whether they're playing it for comic relief or not, some you can tell they are, and they're weird like the aforementioned one, and other ones, yeah, it, it, they're just weird. I don't know. The, 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 all the decisions in this, even to its basic story, I'm, I'm really surprised it got off the ground because everything <laughs> seems to fall pretty flat. And yet it, 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 it's a culture it's a cult classic mm-hmm. and it it has a remake yeah it was remade in 2008 i believe straight to video remake but still it's it exists although i heard the remake is almost the remake is almost just a in title only remake they've changed all the characters most of the situations uh and supposedly even the twist ending is a little different so oh, um, interesting yeah, I am not sure I will ever watch it, but so it exists. It's out there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, this is not like an unknown, un- totally unsuccessful movie. It actually holds a 55% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, and critics are pretty right down the middle with whether they enjoy it or not. It's been re-released on DVD and two uh, editions of Blu-ray. I actually own the collector's edition uh, that Scream Factory put out a couple years ago. Um, I don't know how i ended up with this i think i just happened to like see it on a display and uh like oh i haven't seen that movie in the longest time and uh a little bit a little bit disappointed with it i remembered it being not like my favorite thing in the world but i do remember being very taken by the twist ending the first time i saw it i was a little less impressed with it this time around i still think it's a surprise but like i said it it doesn't quite earn it 
and it's not really like a, a I feel good about it surprise. It's kind of like a crap. Now it means I wasted all that time kind of surprise. <laughs> but, yeah. So. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say if I'm in the mood for an 80s slasher, I feel like this would be low on the list of throwing on. Yeah. You know, it, it just doesn't... It, it is largely forgettable, unfortunately. But, you know, and, and I don't know. And it's also like... To be totally frank, it's one of those movies where it's like I don't really have a lot to say about it. It just wasn't. Yeah, it didn't I mean, do much. <laughs> most of the dialogue and everything in the story, it's it's not super exciting. It's uh, there aren't any really good kills. Like I said, the most memorable scenes are the awkward sex scene and the castration, which you find out is just you know just is a bunch of fake blood dumped on somebody, even yeah. in context of the movie. Um, well, and then there's the like ending, ending, right? Where oh god, yeah, I was gonna bring that up too. <laughs> Muffy gets her like, oh, it's the end, and she's like turning the little, a different Jack in the box, and this time it's just a little like, clown looking thing, and then somebody yeah. comes up behind her and slashes her throat, but it's fake. Yeah, and then originally the fucking thing winks. It's like, yeah, what does that mean? <laughs> it's just that that is like a stupid icing on the stupid cake. There, it just like, yeah the stupid little thing is gonna wink at you at the end just to say haha it's like haha what like the second ending is where the ending falls apart like if if it worked at all they should have just left it at that okay we're all we're all partying the end uh having that last scene with muffy and nan uh Mm -hmm. pretending to slit her throat um, first of all, is just repeating the same ending you just had. It's a second scene, a second less interesting scene that does exactly the same thing because it's just fake. Um, and yeah, it just like I don't know. And yeah, I, I suppose it addresses my concern of like yeah, so people are just supposed to be cool with this, but at the same time, it's like they still kind of are because it ends up being a joke and they smile at each other and and laugh at the end of it and then you know we get the little wink from the jack-in-the-box um yeah it's bad the, the the last the last scene actually makes it a lot worse than had they just yeah left left it off at uh at the reveal or after the reveal um in the original script apparently the brother characters was it skip was his name mm-hmm. yeah um griffin o'neill's character skip uh, was supposed to actually kill Muffy. So that was the actual end yeah. of the movie, was he he slit her throat, and somehow you were supposed to figure out that's because he wanted the inheritance all to himself, which is not even a good ending. But maybe it would have been a little better than what we got. But um, Anyway, I don't, think, I don't think any twist at the end was going to save this movie or make it an all-time classic. No, instead what so. we got was like a first ending where you find out you're actually getting mooned. And the second ending is just like, and it rips a big fart. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just yeah. like, oh. Oh, okay. Yeah. It, it, it wasn't, I mean, it's not offensive. It's nothing to get angry about. It's just like, oh, well, that was kind of a waste of time. Like, oh, okay, so literally nothing happened. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> and I guess that's it's, a problem, like, even from a thematically and from a story and a storytelling perspective, literally you just watch an hour and a half of a movie where, in the end, nothing happened. Yep, and yeah. in the end, you you watched a uh, ninety minute pitch for a murder themed bed and breakfast. So, yeah, yeah, that's about <laughs> it. Yeah, best that's... thing about the movie, it's got a a song during the closing credits that is uh, better than the movie itself. It's not even good, but it's memorable. So, um, yeah. Yeah. It also is on the DVD menu if you have the Blu-ray, so it plays over and over again if you have it going. But it's uh, wow. But yeah, that's what it is. Well, um, what do you think? Do you have any final thoughts and a and a grade for April Fool's Day? Yeah, um, just trying to glance through my notes here, see if I hit everything. Um, yeah, it's pretty much. I think I got to everything. I was going to compliment our, our female characters in this movie a little bit um, because the guys in this movie are like total scum shits, right? They're just... Like, oh, yeah. 
the worst of the worst 80s stereotypical dudes. Uh, it, all it maybe in different ways, but they're all the worst. Um, the 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 thing I wanted the the female characters that, that I wanted to you know give a tip of the hat to is they don't really put up with it much in this movie. It's not like in the you know a Friday the Thirteenth movie where people act like, or men act like this and they're rewarded for their behavior. But it's such a kind of like I don't know. It's not it's not so much that it really. You know, I'm not gonna call them great characters. It's not so much that they deserve recognition. It's just the script is not is a little kinder to the women characters than than some. But I would agree to that. Like all of the sexual advances and stuff like that, that the guys do their you know perverted talk and stuff. The girls like all have this collective attitude of, God, I'm sick of this shit, and yeah. that's refreshing for the time. Yeah. Yeah, and I think even Deborah Goodrich's character, Nikki, who is definitely the um, more promiscuous of the female characters, even she doesn't take much shit from people. Like, it's, you know, when it's not on her terms, she's, you know, whatever. Yeah. Boss and Harvey around at the well, that's a pretty decent scene with the two of them. So there's some moments here that are interesting, but none of them are the horror moments, and it's not, it's definitely, you definitely don't get what you paid for. It's like... Right, right. Um, yeah, so get into a grade i think the uh the twist ending works okay they pull it off as a surprise but the movie itself needed to be a lot more interesting for that to really work and they just didn't put together an interesting horror film an interesting slasher film an interesting whodunit like none of those things all pan out so overall I think this is probably it's it's watchable but generally forgettable. I don't know why it stuck in my mind. Maybe it was the twist ending or whatever. Um, I found it to be pretty disappointing on rewatch. I was kind of floating in between two grades, but after kind of hashing it out, I think I'm gonna go with a D plus on this one. I think it's watchable, but certainly not essential by any means. Well, that's fair. I mean, I'm gonna echo a lot of the same. Uh, y- you know, there's so we, as we discussed last week, there's this rash of holiday-themed slasher movies in the '80s after Halloween and Friday the Thirteenth and My Bloody Valentine, and we already talked about Terror Train, which is essentially like a New Year's Eve one. There's Black Christmas. There's all of these. Mother's Day trauma. Thank you. But then, yeah, this it it had potential. If doing an April Fool's Day themed slasher movie, you've got a lot of potential. Especially, and I think part of it does have to be, or would have to be, logically, a, Mm. is it real or isn't it? But that's where you get to start throwing in some real ones. The twist ending on this one kind of ruins it, and it's, yeah, like you said before, it's very self-aware. It's like, that's the whole gimmick, is that none of it ended up happening. But it's the fact they keep doing the gag into that last scene really kind of takes away a lot of it. Coupled that with a, a pretty bland script, um, a forgettable cast, and a, a story that essentially at the end of it, an hour and a half later, nothing has happened. Um, it doesn't leave a very good taste in one's mouth. So I'm going to go ahead with just a, a straight D on this one. I would agree with you. It's watchable, and it's only good, I feel, for comparison's sake. It's like, yeah. it's your it's your good control group <laughs> to compare to better films. Um which is a shame. I would like to see a April Fool's Day themed slasher movie that actually does something. But this well, wasn't the one. Check out the 2008 remake. <laughs> yeah, which I have not, but if any of our listeners have seen that one or have seen the 1986 version of My Bloody Valentine, we'd love to hear what you have to say. Uh, and you can share any of those questions, comments, criticisms, or witticisms with us at the Video Junkyard Podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at Video Junk Pod or on Facebook at the main Video Junkyard Podcast page. If you write it, we'll read it, and we'll be happy to hear from you. And coming up on the podcast, uh, we're going to change the schedule a little bit. We're, uh, because of the recent passing of, very recent for us, but uh, when you're hearing this, it'll be a few weeks back, but recent passing of actor William Hurt. Yeah. We're going to check out a favorite William Hurt film, uh, the Ken Russell-directed Altered States. Um, yes. 
which is one that I think I discovered in college and like a whole lot and uh, always remember him from. So, um, followed by, which kind of kind of fits in with our next couple of movies, some 80s, uh, dare I say, family-friendly science or family science fiction films, but uh, Inner Space and My Science Project. So. Um, yeah, I hope you'll come back and join us for those and uh, lots of good stuff coming up as we get further into 2022 and closer to our 200th episode. So um, we do have that uh, in the very near future. So I hope you come back and join us. And if they come back and join us, there's also the possibility of some extra content, right? Yeah, it's uh, patreon.com slash podcast. If you like what you hear, uh, consider giving. Anything you do give does go straight back into uh creating this podcast so we hope that you'll consider that and also if you've enjoyed the podcast please feel free to uh share it around and pass it around and no we are not joking when we say that so we want to thank <laughs> you once again for listening to the video junkyard podcast and until next time i'm joe peterson i'm your uncle branson have a good evening You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. You just can't let them go. Go. Stay on the road. Keep clear to the moors. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast. On Twitter at Video Junk Pod and on Instagram as Video Junkyard Podcast, all one word. Want to thank you again for listening and keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the Video Junkyard? <laughs>